Race in Place, part one of three. The Extraordinary of the Ordinary. Where do you live? It's a simple question, but we tend to read a lot into the response and we see it as providing important information. Now in that response, we may reach conclusions about uh, the type of job someone has and their level of income. We may make conclusions about where they attended school or maybe they, where they work. You know, for instance, if you tell me that you live in Cambridge, I might assume you have some affiliation to Harvard or MIT. Maybe you went there, maybe you worked there. We may make conclusions about the types of uh, amenities that they grew up with. Oh, this is a trust fund brat. He doesn't know anything about the struggle. We may make conclusions about political affiliations, right? This lady is in the projects and living on unemployment. She's certainly a Democrat. Or this guy has a three bedroom condo in Manhattan and interacts with nothing but rich white people. He's probably Republican. Interestingly, a lot of the conclusions that we reach vary depending on the race of the person in question, right? Now, on my note about the gentleman with the three-bedroom condo in Manhattan, you probably envisioned a white man. If you reread my comment, though, I said no such thing. But that's probably the conclusion you reached anyway. Now we're talking. New York is actually a really great example um, of this though. Now, if a black person tells you they live in Brooklyn, a white person tells you they live in Brooklyn, and an Asian person tells you they live in Brooklyn, we have a tendency of viewing those three situations very, very differently. I'll admit part of that is because of gentrification. The other part of that is how we view circumstances though. When a black person lives in a mostly black neighborhood, we frequently assume it's because they don't have any other choice or option. In other words, that's the best they could do. Now, when a white person lives in a mostly black neighborhood, we may be inclined to see the neighborhood as up and coming or trendy. In other words, our assumption is that White people in those communities choose to live there and they don't have to live there because who on earth would choose to live in a black neighborhood if they don't have to, right? There's a lot more I can say about that, but I'll save it for a bit later. I feel like my experience at school and work both reinforce the general idea. While I was in Philadelphia, I was working at a highly esteemed and selective consulting firm. For context, if you don't know anything about Philadelphia, it's a very, very pro-black city. Um, that means different things in different contexts, but uh, the most important is probably that 46% of the population is black, so almost half. If you don't know anything about consulting, it tends to be a pretty lucrative industry. They hire... Uh, people that are very good at what they do from very exceptional schools, and they pay them a crap ton of money. When I first started, 
I met the other analysts who were also fresh out of school. Not surprisingly, everyone lived in downtown Philadelphia, Center City. That's to be expected. I have no qualms with that. You move to a new city as a new or recent graduate, living downtown is a pretty safe bet. You don't really know a ton of neighborhoods, so it makes sense to gravitate to living there. Coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, most of Center City is white and Philadelphia as a whole is overwhelmingly black. I chose not to live downtown. The parking situation wasn't going to be ideal given I had a seven-seater SUV at the time. It was way more congested. Again, I think that's pretty typical for a downtown area. And then last and finally, one of Philly's greatest selling points is its affordability. So living in the priciest part of town undoes one of Philadelphia's most attractive features. Now, I opted for an apartment in West Philly because West Philly is best Philly, and I have zero regrets about that. Maybe it was all in my mind, but I always felt like I had to give an explanation to my coworkers as why I chose to live where I did. Nobody would ever come out and ask me, of course. I don't want to paint this picture of my colleagues like they were uh, awful people, because that's not true. As far as my coworkers go, they were all pretty decent, and I don't say that about everyone. Trust me. Maybe it was all in my head. Again, as I'm sure you would imagine, being the only black person in the room consistently didn't really help. But I always felt like when I told people where I lived, the response was, oh, okay. But their thinking was along the lines of, why would you live over there? with those people when you can live over here with these people? Who on earth would choose that instead of choosing this? It echoes similar notions to the post I did on uh, social expectations many, many moons ago when I first started the blog. People just tend to have these expectations of you. They expect for you to follow this script. When you make a lot of money, people just expect you to live a certain lifestyle, even if it's a lifestyle you don't really care for, or you're not super interested in. It's not just a phenomenon specific to conversations at work, though. It happens with school, too, particularly schools that tend to attract a certain demographic of students. Now, I attend a well-known private school down south. The campus is absolutely beautiful and the surrounding neighborhoods are gorgeous although they are a little bit pricey now i opted to live on the south side of town instead in a more modest neighborhood now as a result of that decision even though i live off a graduate student stipend i put over a thousand dollars in my savings every month although the city has a large black population understandably the neighborhoods surrounding this super wealthy private school tend to have a lot less black people. Now the South Side is the South Side is the opposite. It has a very large black population. Although my primary interest was in finding a house 
so I can host my dinner parties with uh, without having to pay, you know, a really high rent. Because again, I'm a grad student, so have a pretty modest lifestyle. The discussion, though, tends to be the same. Now, in the defense of students at my school, most of them are from other cities. In fact, many are international students. So when I tell them I live on the south side, they have no idea where that is or what that means. I'm sure they don't really think anything about it. All they really know is that I'm not living by campus. Maybe I'm a tad cynical though, but the logic still seems to be the same. Who wouldn't want to live over here with all these people? Again, it doesn't help that there aren't a ton of people who look like me on campus. So I always feel like I need to explain even if people don't mean to imply that or what they say or do. Now, there are many, many reasons I've chosen to live the places that I do. But I think one of the highly underrated reasons is sometimes I just want to interact with normal people. In the case of my university, the residents of those surrounding neighborhoods or those surrounding communities tend to be extremely accomplished and extremely well-educated. It wouldn't be unusual at all for my neighbor to have uh, an undergraduate degree in chemistry from Duke University and be enrolled in the MDMPH program, five-year program or six-year program, coming out with two degrees. Suffice to say he'll graduate, probably do exceptionally well, and make a crap ton of money probably over 300K after he gets done with residency. Good for him or good for her. The reality though is most people in America aren't gonna do anything even remotely close to that. People having three degrees, all from highly prestigious institutions of higher education is not that common. It is, but it isn't. It is by global standards. It isn't by American standards. Most people just aren't going to do that. Now, I could make a similar comment about not living downtown in Philly. If I live downtown, which I thought about doing, it wouldn't be a stretch for uh, a neighbor in my apartment to have an undergraduate degree in history from Yale and to uh, have graduated from Penn Law School. Now, depending on his area of law, he's probably making close to 200K just a year or two out. Now, that base salary might be a little bit inflated for a newly minted lawyer in Philly, but certainly not for a big time law firm in New York City. So just keep that in mind. Good for him. Good for her. 200K straight out of school. Amazing. That's wonderful. But in a city like Philly, though, that's just not most people's experience. Philly is very much an inner city that faces a number of socioeconomic challenges, poverty included. In fact, Philly has the highest deep poverty rate of any major city in the country. Among major cities, Philadelphia is still one of the poorest, and it's been that way for a while. I would be naive to think otherwise just because my neighbor is a super successful lawyer and everyone else in my apartment complex is doing really well. 
You know, personal experience plays a role in this just as much as interactions do. I lived in West Philly for three years. Now, as a result of where I lived versus where I was working, I lived off of about half my income, which is a huge blessing. Put over $2,000 in my savings every month. Suffice to say, there were probably a number of members of my community wrestling to figure out uh, how they were going to get the money to repair their car, uh, or, or, or pay for health insurance. These were the furthest things from my mind. I just never had to think about them. But even so, this is relatively normal for working class America. I feel that much more in tune with the realities of life because of where I chose to live and the people I was interacting with. Sometimes, it's good just to be with normal people, with normal jobs, and, and normal struggles. It's normal. Earning three degrees from an Ivy League school and earning over 200K, that's awesome, but it's also not normal. Maybe depending on the school you attend or your social circle, or the family that you're from, but for the 320 million Americans that call the United States home, that's just not going to be their experience. This is what I think happens in America. You have upper-class people who only want to interact with upper-class people and don't know how to interact with anybody who makes less than them, right? And you have middle-class people who have exposure to both the upper class as well as the lower class. Finally, you have lower-class people who interact predominantly with people in the lower and the middle class, but assume upper-class people take no interest in relating to them. Now, I'm enrolled in the PhD program at an amazing university, so career-wise, things are going very well. But I think one of my biggest fears is losing my ability to connect on a meaningful level with normal people. Just normal people. Maybe people who don't have a PhD or didn't attend a private school or don't have a four bedroom house with a beautiful front yard. Just normal people. I understand this post was highly anecdotal, but in part two of Race in Place, I'll dig more into the history and social structure of residential segregation. Uh, feel free to weigh in with your personal anecdotes on segregation as well.